Luke chapter 2. Most of the time when we do uh, Christmas messages out here at church, we don't get the luxury of doing a uh, couple different messages. Most of the time we only do one Christmas message, the Sunday before Christmas. It happened to work out with Christmas program being last Sunday, and obviously this Sunday here that we got a chance to do a couple messages. We get a chance to build on a couple Christmas things. Now, if you weren't with us last week, we talked about the wise men. And we talked about their trek over to see Jesus and what that means and what that represents. They traveled potentially over a thousand miles to come see Christ. And they put effort into coming to seeing him. And their sole desire was just to come worship him, present him gifts. They asked for nothing in return. And then they went back. And what a neat example of the effort they put in to see the Messiah, to just worship him, to bless him. And then they went back. Well, today we get to talk about the shepherds. The two groups that came to come visit Christ were the shepherds and the wise men. Now, the shepherds are something I always found fascinating. I love getting the chance to talk about the shepherds. They're such a neat group of people, and it's really neat what God does with them. So with that being said, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, please. It said, Now there were in the same country shepherds living on the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, but behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, to the point of almost driving this point home, we need to establish how looked down upon shepherds were in Bible times. How they were the low of the low of society. Now, I I grew up on a farm. We grew up having sheep. I love sheep. I've mentioned to you guys numerous times before, I think the cutest baby animal God ever made is lamb. They're absolutely adorable, and, and I love that picture of lambs and how cute they are, and we're lambs to God. The problem is lambs grow up to be really dumb sheep, which is really a picture of us. We're really cute in the Lord at first, but then we grow up to be really dumb sheep. Shepherds were the lowest of the low, and so much so, if you look back in Genesis... When Joseph brought his brothers to Egypt, he said to them, Tell Pharaoh your shepherds. Because Egypt looks at, and this is the word the New King James uses, Egypt looks at shepherds as being an abomination. So they will hate you so much, they will say, Don't live with us, we'll give you land outside the city. Which is actually really smart. That's why the Jews were separate from the Egyptians, because they looked down upon them so much because they were shepherds. These shepherds in Bible times or ceremonially unclean. Now, you've got to remember that. I know we try to stay away from Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's too tough to follow all the rules, all the laws. But there's some important stuff in there. Shepherds would be continually unclean, according to the Bible. They would be. They're constantly around animals. They're constantly around manure. They're constantly around filth. They were constantly unclean. So they were not able to have the same type of privileges of going to the temple as other people would, because they would be unclean. So they would be the downcast of society. They would be looked down upon. No one wanted to be near shepherds. They're dirty. Now, when we look at shepherds in every little manger scene, they're always such nice-looking guys with trimmed beards, and they just always look good. No. These guys are working all the time, constantly working, constantly doing things, constantly unclean, looked down upon society, and these are the first people that God chooses to come visit. Now, if that's not a picture of us, man, 
We are constantly unclean in the Lord. We are constantly looked down upon. We are nothing, but yet God chooses to come visit us. There's a great passage here in Corinthians. I just want to share with you when it talks about how low we are and that God came for us. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. It says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing that the world considers important. As a result, no one could ever boast in the presence of God. We are the shepherds. We're, we're dirty, we're unclean, we're looked down upon. The world just doesn't care about people. But that's who Jesus came for. So this is a really neat picture of who they came for. Now look at these guys. Verse 8, they're keeping watch over their flocks by night. These guys work third shift. These guys worked all the time. You know, I remember one time growing up as a kid, we delivered hay to a guy um, that uh, had milk cows. And he was the only guy taking care of the milk cows on the farm. And if you know anything about milk cows, that is a daily thing. You don't get a day off from that. And I remember talking to him, and I remember asking him, you know, when's the last time you had a day away from the farm? And it had been literally years. Because you just can't leave the milk cows. These guys just can't take a break from the sheep. Their job was to be around the sheep constantly all the time. They didn't have shifts where they said, you know what, I'm off at 8. The other shepherd comes in. They lived with the sheep. They slept with the sheep. They were outside with the sheep. They constantly were on guard. They did not get a break in any way whatsoever. They're dirty. They're unclean physically, spiritually. They're looked down upon. They're called an abomination. They work all the time. And these are the first people that God said, I want to come talk to. I love that. So, and they're also relatable. Look at verse 9. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Look at their response. They were greatly afraid. So I can relate to that. Because I have fears, I have worries, I have concerns. And God still wanted to use the shepherds, even though they were walking sometimes in fear. See, we all want to walk in faith and victory, but the truth of the matter is sometimes things get to us. Sometimes we get pulled down by things. God still wants to work with us. Turn, if if you will, to Judges chapter 6, please. Judges 6. Let's talk about another guy here for a little bit that walked in fear. Judges 6. This guy is also a picture of being the low of the low, but God still wanting to use them. And that's what Christmas is about as you're going to Judges 6. God coming down for people that did not deserve him. Not in any way whatsoever. Judges 6. Let's pick it up here in verse 11. Let's talk about Gideon for a second. Judges 6, verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So this is where we're introduced to Gideon. We're introduced to Gideon, and what's Gideon doing the first time we see him? Hiding. Hiding. We said at the first service that if you look up the Gideon's name, you know what Gideon's name means in the Hebrew? It means wimp. That's what it means, but I'm kidding. It really doesn't. But the point is, that's his nature. This guy, this guy is hiding. Verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon is not a mighty man of valor. He's hiding. He's hiding with the wheat. This is not a mighty man of valor, but this is an important point in verse 12. God does not see you for who you are. He sees you for what you can become. See, he looked at the shepherds. He saw shepherds as potential brothers in Christ. He saw shepherds as people that would inherit salvation. 
We looked at the shepherds and saw dirty eyes. We look at Gideon and Gideon's a wimp. He's hiding. God sees in verse 12, a mighty man of valor. Aren't you thankful that God looks past who you are to see who you can become in Christ Jesus? Verse 13, Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Look at verse 14 one more time. Go in this might of yours. Gideon had no might. He was hiding. See, God saw once again what Gideon could become, not what Gideon was. Verse 15, So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? And indeed my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon says, listen, of all the tribes of Israel, I'm from the lowest of the tribes. And of all the houses in the tribes of Israel, I'm from the lowest of the house. He goes, I am the low of the low in Israel, and yet I'm the one you're choosing to pick. Isn't that actually really reassuring to us? We are the low of the low. I look at myself in the spiritual mirror of my life, and I think, wow, I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a failure as a father. I'm a failure as a pastor. Lord, why? Why do you use us? Why do you want us? Look at this. Verse 16. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. God saw what Gideon could become. See, we look at the shepherds once again, and we see the low of society. God saw them for what they can become. We look at Gideon. Gideon saw himself as the low, the least of the least. God said, this is what you can become. What a neat picture that is to think that this is what God came for. This is why Jesus came down to die on the cross. This is why he was born, as for the low of the low. Jump back now to Luke 2. So, the shepherds were greatly afraid. But look at verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A couple of Christmases ago, the, the main passage we talked about was out of Isaiah. And it was Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. You don't need to turn there. It's a verse we're very familiar with, and a lot of you probably wrote it on your Christmas cards. A lot of you probably read it in Christmas cards. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. See, God came for us. Well, the shepherds are now the us. They're the you. See, verse 11. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, is Christ the Lord. Verse 12. And this will be the sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. It's for them. It's personal. See, this is the problem I see sometimes with God and people as they treat God as some distant third-party person. You know, like, I'm really happy God's close to you. I'm really happy that God can work for you. What also can work for you? That's why one of the catchphrases we use in Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because look at verse 11. As born to you, as assigned to you, you will find a babe. That it is. It's for you. So the shepherds realize how this is for them. Jesus came for them. Once again, to belittle this point, the low of society. That's who he came for. I mean, this really makes no sense. Why, why would he pick shepherds? To, to be the one to first hear about the birth of Christ. And, and why Bethlehem? You know, Bethlehem was just six miles from Jerusalem. 
As we talked about last week with the wise men coming, they traveled over a thousand plus miles probably to come see Jesus. And when they came and they spoke to Herod, and they told Herod they came to see the king that was born, Herod was only six miles, only six miles from the birth of Jesus. Herod could have went. He chose not to. Wise men traveled a thousand plus miles. Herod won't even go six. Boy, same thing happens spiritually today. There's some people that won't even go six miles to see God. See, if God really wanted to make a point here, you wouldn't be born in Bethlehem, this tiny little town that no one cares about. You wouldn't be born in a manger, and you wouldn't have shepherds be the first people to come see you. Whoever God's PR guy is, he should be fired. See, Jesus should have been born in Rome. That was the center of the world. First person to come visit Jesus should have been Caesar. That's what it should have been. See, but Jesus didn't come for the elite. Jesus didn't come for the people that don't need him. Jesus came for the shepherds. Came for the low, the people that need him. And that's why he came to Bethlehem. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from the men to heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see the things that have come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 15 is key. See, because what we can do is look at verses 8 through 12. We can say, okay, I get it. Shepherds were the law of society. We've made that point. That Jesus was born into them. Personal relationship with Jesus. We get it. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. We got it. Okay, verse 15. Now let us go. See, God never forced them to go. He says, you will find him. But they had to put effort into it. They had to decide that they wanted to go to Bethlehem to see this guy. So they decided in verse 15, let us now go. It's decision time. See, here's the problem. Many people living in today, in the society today, they hear all this, but they never choose to go to Bethlehem. This Sunday, all over the United States, churches are going to be packed with people because it's Christmas Sunday. But how many of those people actually choose to leave the field and go to Bethlehem to really meet Jesus? See, the shepherds could have just sat there and said, wow, how cool was that? Angels appeared to us. Let's go back and feed the sheep. No. Let us go see him. Let's put effort into this. Let's go meet Jesus ourselves. Stay here in Luke and just jump ahead to Luke 9. We're going to get to this chapter here in just a little bit. In a couple weeks, I should say. But let's talk about this here. Luke 9, please. The shepherds were willing to go. Willing to put effort into it. See, that's part of being a disciple of Christ, is I'm willing to go when God says go. Luke 9, verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Luke 9, verse 58. And Jesus said to them, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit. For the kingdom of God. Three different groups here. I'm just going to hit them lightly because we're going to actually cover this in depth in a few weeks. The first one, verse 57, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. That sounds great. Boy, haven't we all made promises like that? Lord, I, I, will, I will never lose my temper again. Lord, I never will say those words again. Lord, I'll never look at another person like that again. Uh, Lord, I will always do devotions every day. Lord, I will pray every day. I will. Lord, we do a lot of I wills. See, Jesus said in verse 58, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What he's saying is, I hear your words, but are you really willing to make sacrifices when time comes? You know, a lot of people make a lot of promises to God, 
and make a lot of promises in their own walk with Christ. But, verse 58, are they willing to make the sacrifice that goes along with it? I've shared with you before, when I first got saved, you know, I just had the assumption that everything was going to be perfect and just work out wonderfully. I mean, you're serving Jesus now. How could things go wrong? And it wasn't until after I got saved I realized the sacrifice of verse 58. There are sacrifices in your relationship with Christ. Now, what about the guy here in verse 59? Let me first go and bury my father. Jesus' response in verse 60 sure sounds harsh. Let the dead bury their own dead. So you've got to understand the context of this, and you've got to understand New Testament customs. What this guy is saying is not that my father has died. What he's saying is, I have responsibilities to my father, so when my father is no longer with me, I will then come serve you, Jesus. See, and what Jesus is saying is, my relationship with you trumps everybody else. See, I know people that are like this. They're really going to get serious with God. They really are. It's just a really busy season of life right now. Wait till things settle down at work, and then I'll get serious with God. Well, I got some commitments right now with family or something. Then I'll get serious. Well, you know, right now it's a busy time with kids. It's a busy time with this. Once things settle down, okay, the problem is there's always going to be a this that's going to keep you from going deeper. Always. You have to make a decision that this is important to me. So since it's important to me, I go forward and I let those things go. What about the last group? Lord, I will follow you, verse 61, but let me first go and bid them farewell or at my house. See, what this guy is, he wants, he wants both worlds. He wants to be with Jesus, but he also wants his friends. This is the person that says, God, I will give you Sunday mornings. I will give you a Wednesday every now and then, but I want every Friday night to do what I want. Lord, I will give you when I'm around other churches and Christians. I watch my words. I watch my stories. I watch my language. But Lord, you just got to understand when I'm at work, I work with a tough group of people. And so sometimes words are going to slip out, and that's just the way it is. See, they want the best of both worlds. You can't do that. The guy says, I want my friends, but I also want you. Jesus comes first. See, verse 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Any of you that grew up on a farm, you know this. I remember when my dad was first teaching me, be it either chopping wheat stubble or working ground or something, you pick something in the distance, you keep your eye on that thing in the distance, and then as you keep your eye on that, you keep your line straight. If you constantly keep looking back, you're going to get crooked rows. Same thing spiritually. You keep your eyes on Jesus. If you keep looking back, you're going to be crooked spiritually. You keep moving forward. See, the shepherds in Luke 2, they said, let's go see Jesus. Let's go see him. And not just let's go see him. Jump back to Luke 2, verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. My new King James says, haste. Some of your translation says, hurried. They went there fast. See, I know a lot of people that are obedient to the Lord, but they're obedient in their own time frame. They know what they're supposed to do, but they'll get to it. When I was teaching the first service this morning, I thought about this, and I'll tell you guys too. Um, I carry this little planner with me everywhere I go, and it's got a calendar in it so I can write things down. When somebody asks for a prayer request or something like that, I can write down immediately so I don't forget. Well, at an 8.30 service a while ago, I was sitting right over there, and it was during worship, and there was a certain song that really hit me. And there were some things that I really felt like the Lord wanted me to do. So I actually wrote this down, and it would have been on November 4th. I wrote down, he's told you what to do, do it. Right during worship, he's told you what to do, do it. And I wrote that down November 4th, and I know 
exactly what the God, what God wanted me to do and what he wants me to say. Now, it's been now, what, six, seven weeks later? Have I done it yet? No, I haven't done it yet. But I know what I'm supposed to do. Lord, help me to make haste like the shepherds did. Lord, help me to hurry. See, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know it. It's, I wrote it down. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. But am I being obedient to actually do it? See, verse 15, the shepherds could have said, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Yeah, let's try to go there in the next few days. Once we get these sheep finished up, we'll, we'll try to pop over there maybe next week. Or next week's pretty busy. We'll try to get there in a couple weeks. No, they stopped what they were doing, made haste, went to Jesus right then. Boy, if we could all have that heart of obedience. Now, I don't know what they did or not, and we were talking about this at the first service and also afterwards. Did they take the sheep with them or did they not take the sheep with them? Either way, it's a really interesting point. Because if they left the sheep, they're willing to say, I'm willing to leave all behind to go follow Jesus. And I think that's a pretty neat point. I read in a commentary earlier, and, and someone mentioned it too after the first service, they were willing to leave their lambs to go follow the lamb, which is really a neat thing if you stop and you think about it. Now, maybe they did. Now, maybe they also took the sheep with them. The more I think about it, I kind of hope they took the sheep with them. I find that a little more humorous. Can you imagine Mary? These dirty shepherds show up with about two, 300 sheep. But see, the thing is, anytime you look at any nativity scene, once again, you see the shepherd looking nice and clean, and for some reason, he's always got some dumb sheep on his shoulder. I, I'd never seen a shepherd carry a sheep on his shoulder. Or the sheep is always sitting there real nice beside him like a pet dog. It, it just doesn't work that way. So I don't know if they left the sheep. I don't know if they brought the sheep with them. The only thing I know is they made haste and they got to Jesus as soon as they could. Boy, Lord, help us to have that same mindset. I want to get to Jesus as soon as I can. I want to spend time with him. I want to drop everything I have and go right to him. What did they do when they finally saw him? Verse 17. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning this child. Once they met Jesus, they went and told everybody about Jesus. See, a lot of us, once again, some of us stop at verse 12. Oh, cool. Jesus came down. He died on the cross for our sins. He died for everybody. That's really neat. Okay, but he died for you. Some of us get to verse 15. Yep, he died for me. One of these days, I'm going to go to Bethlehem and see Jesus. Okay, some of us get to verse 16. I made haste. I know Jesus. I know Jesus personally. Amen. Now that you know him, verse 17, go tell people about him. Go tell people what he's done for you. Go tell people what the Lord has done. That's the beauty of Christ, is then passing on that message of who Jesus is. Now, when I was preparing for this message, I heard a lot of people make this point, but I could never find an actual source to confirm it. So I don't know if it's true or not, but many people were saying this. They said that shepherds were so looked down upon in the society of Bible times that their testimony in court was considered null and void. That if you got a shepherd to come testify on your behalf, no one cared. It's just a shepherd. We don't care what the shepherd has to say. Their testimony means nothing. If that's true, it's fascinating in verse 17 that the first people to tell people about Jesus were shepherds. The ones that no one cared their opinion about. Do you realize who shepherds are? Shepherds are the first people to see Jesus. Shepherds, verse 17, are the first evangelists. They're the first missionaries. 
They're the first ones to go out and spread the gospel. See, when you think of missionaries in the Bible, you think of Paul. His missionary journeys, you think of Philip, the evangelist. You think of Peter. The first missionaries, evangelists in the Bible are shepherds. Boy, Lord, help us to be like a shepherd, to go tell people about what God's done. They're the first ones to be told about the birth of Jesus by the angels. They're the first ones to see the baby born. They're the first ones to get to go tell people about Jesus. These shepherds looked down upon in society, dare we say hated by society, an abomination to society, are the ones that God wanted to tell first. And we don't know for a fact, but most people believe the reason the shepherds were so close to Jerusalem, taking care of sheep, these are probably the sheep that would have been used in the sacrifices at the temple. So the guys that took care of the sheep that would then be slain for sin got to go see the actual lamb that was going to be slain for their sins. What happens next? Verse 19, excuse me, verse 18. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Just like last week, the result of the wise men seeing Jesus is they walked away in joy. What did the wise men get out of seeing Jesus? Nothing. They traveled a thousand plus miles to see some kid. They gave him gifts. They worshipped him. And what did they get in return? Nothing. But they still had joy. What about the shepherds? What did the shepherds get? Well, they got scared out of their mind by an angel that appeared to them. They traveled to Bethlehem, either took the sheep with them or left their sheep there, came in and saw the baby and left. And what did they get? Nothing, but they had joy. See, that's the thing about Jesus, is when you are just around him, you have joy. Now, let's just be honest for a second. Do you have joy? See, it's amazing for how crazy Christmas is and supposedly how much fun Christmas is. Christmas can really be depressing for a lot of people. I was just talking to somebody recently, and the subject came up of, you know, hating Christmas. And we said, well, you know what? We really don't hate Christmas, because Christmas is the birth of Jesus. We rejoice in that. What we dislike is the hubbub of Christmas, all that stuff. Because the idea of Christmas is very joyful, the idea of Jesus coming down and dying on the cross for our sins and being born. But this whole, this stuff that goes with Christmas... Wow, that can really bring up a lot of tough times for people. If your joy right now is really not there, let me ask you something. Where are you at in our story here on the shepherds? See, if you're just the shepherds that are in the field, low of society, you're not going to have any joy. If you're the shepherds that are just scared by the angel, you're not going to have any joy. If you're the shepherd that chooses to not go to Bethlehem, you're not going to have any joy. If you're the shepherd that actually goes to Bethlehem and sees Jesus, well, that's pretty neat. But if you don't go tell people, you're really not going to have joy. Where does real joy come from? Joy comes from seeing Jesus in Bethlehem and then going and telling other people about what Jesus has done. I'm not trying to pick on you or anything, but if you're feeling a little spiritually dry, if you're feeling a little spiritually let down, when's the last time you shared the joy of what Christ did for you? When's the last time you really thought about what Christmas really is? When's the last time you said, I want to go tell somebody about what Jesus has done? Because that's where joy comes from. Joy comes from knowing Jesus personally and then going and telling people about the Jesus you know. I tell you right now, next to moments I have with my wife and moments I have with my kids, the greatest spiritual joy I have in life 
is when you get an opportunity to tell somebody about God and they respond. My goodness, that is such a spiritual high of just, Lord, they heard about you. And what an amazing thing that is. And you can see where the shepherds got this joy and they got this excitement. One last thing we're going to say here as we get ready to close up. It's a pattern that God has kind of set up here in the Bible. When God wants to use somebody, they're usually taking care of sheep. You ever realize that? When God called Moses in Exodus, what was Moses doing? He was out in the field taking care of sheep. When God called David to be king of Israel, what was David doing? He was out in the field taking care of sheep. When God called the shepherds to come meet Jesus, what were they doing? Out in the fields taking care of sheep. God likes this whole sheep symbolism thing. He really likes it. And Moses was called when he was 80. So I don't care how old you are, you can still be called by the Lord to do something. David was called probably when he was a teenager. It doesn't matter how young you are, God can still call you to use you. It doesn't matter how dirty and unclean you are, like the shepherds. Jesus is really good at cleaning up people. He can call you. That's the beautiful thing about this. So if you're kind of feeling a little empty, and you're kind of feeling like, okay, what's my next point in life? What's the next step? Well, let me ask you this. Are you taking care of the sheep? Because when you take care of the sheep, that's when God reveals to you what the next step is. And the sheep are us, the body of Christ. When you're out there serving and ministering to other people, the Lord says, that's a person I want to use, and I can reveal to them what the next phase is that I can use. But if you're not out there taking care of the sheep, what are you doing? Part of the reason we're here as a body of Christ is to be that, is to be a body, to be a family, to minister to people, to pray for people, to encourage people, to take care of the sheep. And as you take care of the sheep, you will be blessed. And as you take care of the sheep, God will then show you what the next role is in your life. Just like Moses, just like David, just like these shepherds. That's what it'll do. I tell you, these shepherds are an amazing guy. They're, they're looked down upon in society. Well, like I said, they were called an abomination in Genesis. But boy, God loved the shepherds. Use them. The first missionaries, the first people to see Jesus, the first evangelists were shepherds that God called to come see Christ. Let's pray. And if uh, the worship team wants to come forward here for the final song. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. And Lord, we pray that you would just give us a heart and mind and soul that's focused on you and solely on you. And Lord, I pray that we would all have the same heart as the shepherds. To be willing to let go of everything to come see you and make haste. Lord, that we would then go tell people about you. And that we would walk in the joy that you give in knowing you. Lord, help us this Christmas to keep that perspective in all that we say and all that we do. And we love you and we thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen.